0: Hi, welcome to another inspirational message recorded live at Oceans Unite Christian Center. I asked myself, how am I going to do another service? (laughs) If you were here for the 9 a.m., I felt like I needed a nap afterwards. You know, God is just so, so amazing. And I'm just trusting God, you know, for Him to move powerfully this morning. How many know that we serve just Yeah, it's, yeah. Hard to find words to describe them. Pastor Alex and Pastor Naomi asked me to take the service this morning, so I just want to give honor where honor is due and thank them so much for the opportunity to minister the word to you this morning. And um, this morning we're going to talk about the beauty of the Lord. Feel his presence even as I say that. Thank you, Lord. Sweet Jesus. As we live this life, this Christian life here on earth, We kind of go through times and seasons. Can somebody say amen? Sometimes we find ourselves in that season when we're on the mountaintop, when everything is just running smooth, we're having a personal revival. Like, I mean, it's just fantastic, you know, cloud nine. Other times we find ourselves in a dry season, you know, where, man, it just seems like we're not hearing the voice of God. We're unfruitful, un- unproductive, feels like our prayers aren't even, you know, leaving the room. And other times we find ourselves in seasons of war when we're in intense battles. Could be dealing with the old man trying to resurrect himself out of that grave or You know, could be, you know, battling against the powers of darkness. And when it comes to these times, David was no stranger to him. And so this morning, we're going to kind of look a little bit at the man of God. And I just love, I love David. So amazing because he wasn't a perfect person but he was real. You know, he spoke it. I mean, he wore his emotions on his sleeve. He acknowledged when he, when he messed up and did wrong, was quick to repent, quick to, to go before, you know, God and ask to be forgiven and, and so on. One of the things I love, especially when you read through some of his psalms that he wrote is like you can just feel the passion and the emotion of David as you read through the words. And, you know, this morning we're going to kind of take a look at one of my favorites, Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is a very familiar psalm. Um, A lot of you may know it by heart. There's songs that have been sung about it. Before we look into the scripture, I, I want to say this. There's a few trains of thought when it comes to this particular psalm. Some writers believe that David wrote this prior to him becoming king of Israel, whereas others will say that David penned this, you know, during his reign as king, um, but it was time uh, during the time when his son Absalom and the whole rebellion, you know, took place. And then uh, others believe that David wrote this at a, in his later years, you know, when he actually was out, um, after he went out and, and warred against the Philistines in his old age, and Abishai um, actually had to come and and. Um, and saved David's life and told him, you can't go out into to battle anymore. You're going to cause Israel to be a, a reproach. Whichever is true, it doesn't really matter because when we look at the language of Psalm 27, it's really, really clear to see what kind of season David was in. So let's go and let's, let's read the first three verses there of Psalm 27. It reads, the Lord is my light. And my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. It's clear from these scriptures that David was going through a season of war. There was some type of opposition that he was being faced with. And when I when I look at these scriptures, I don't know about you, but it looks like he's in a spiritual battle. Like, I mean, it, like when you look at it, you can see spiritual warfare. And what I mean by that is you know how it is as we walk um, in Christ and we're living now how the enemy will will come against us, you know, and he'll speak lies and so on and so forth, our emotions like to kind of take the throne and and, and like us to operate from there. So you can see that David is battling fear being afraid of what's coming against him. But I just love it because when it comes to spiritual warfare, we always speak and declare the contradiction to what we might be feeling or the lies of what the enemy is bringing our way. So David is experiencing maybe the emotion or the spirit of fear and being afraid of what he's going through. But he makes a powerful declaration of faith and and says that I shall not fear. And I, and I just, I love that. That's another aspect of David that I love. This was, this was a man that wasn't going to give in to what the enemy or his flesh wanted him to do. But when we look at it, in this season that David is in, what he says next, we have to admire. You just, you, you, you read verse four and, and like you just have to appreciate The words of David and he says this one thing I have desired of the Lord and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple so David finds himself in this in this season But the very thing that he wanted most was not that God would call down fire and consume his enemies. It wasn't that God would create a path so David could run and get away from the trouble, which we often like to do. The very thing that the heart of David was pursuing, the very thing that he desired and longed for was to be in the house of the Lord. To be in the house of the Lord. This is Old Testament time. The temple was not there. It was the tabernacle. And the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle was where the presence of the Lord was. That Only the priests could go into it. And I can go on because all of these things that David desired, he was, it was things that he was really kind of, he knew some things about God, but there was much more to come. You see, he knew about the coming Messiah. But here we are and the Messiah has come. He's already been here. We've already experienced the cross and the resurrection. The veil has already been torn, and we're experiencing the access. Some of the very things that David's heart longed for, here we are experiencing them right now. So you got to appreciate the words of David that in the most trying time and season of his life, he's desiring to be in the house of the Lord, to be in the presence of God. But why? Why? Why does he wanna be in the house of the Lord all the days of his life? He said, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That word behold doesn't carry with it just a simple definition of, hey, take a look over there. Take a glance over here. But he says he wants to behold the beauty of the Lord. He's wanting to fix his gaze in a certain direction. It means to contemplate with pleasure. In other words, I'm going to take my attention and I'm going to focus it right here. And I'm going to enjoy every single moment of it. And that's what he's wanting. He's wanting to behold. And he said he wants to behold the beauty of the Lord. Well, what does that mean? I can't recall ever even hearing. I was talking to Pastor Mike. We were talking about how we don't know that we've ever heard a sermon about the beauty of the Lord. I, I know I haven't. So when God ministered this to me, I was like, I'm telling you, man, I had used up a whole box of tissues. I mean, I mean, it was just the most glorious time because God began to reveal and, and remind you of his amazingness. You see, that word beauty there actually means delightfulness it means pleasantness it means that everything that that makes god delightful that's his beauty how many want to look at it how many want to take a look at the beauty of the lord i pray that as we begin to discover and go into this word that our passion and our desire for God, our pursuit of Him and His presence would, gr- would grow more and more each and every day. Because how many know that when you get into that place of God's presence and the glory of God comes in the room and the cloud of heaven comes and visits you and it sits on you like a weight. It's like an elephant sitting on top of you. But it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it's, it's amazing. It's, I don't know, you can't even, I don't know that there's a word that can truly, really describe or express it. When we talk about the beauty of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord is seen in his holiness. Now we say that word holy, I don't know that if we truly, truly understand what that means. And the reason I say that is because we've been born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Everything that is in this world has been tainted by sin. So there's nothing that we can look to to get any kind of comparison of what holy means. So we look to his word as he begins to reveal and describe himself as the Holy One of Israel our holy God. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse number 4, says this about our God. It says that he is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. 1 John 1 and 5 says this, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. What does that mean? That means you will not find an imperfection in him. It's not in him to do evil, to do wrong. He can't do it. It's not in his nature. You think about motives, You think about intent, oftentimes we will say something to somebody, but the motive behind what we're saying or the motive and intent behind an action that we carry out often isn't true. But when it comes to God, the thought and intent of his heart is always pure. It is always genuine. It is always true. He's true, and he's perfect, incomparable. The whitest of whites that we could see doesn't even come close to comparing him. It's hard to even find words, but that's our God. And I just love it because We've all experienced betrayal. We've all experienced being mistreated and so on and so forth, but with God, you don't have any of that. He'll never do you wrong. When we think of the beauty of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord is seen in his mercy. Anybody ever experienced his mercy? Amen. Psalm 103 and Verses 10 through 14 says this, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those, those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. When we speak of the mercy of God, we're speaking about an amazing and incredible aspect of God's character. Psalm 105 talks about he he, he reveals himself as one who is gracious, one who is full of compassion, one who is slow to anger and plenteous or great in mercy. Scripture describes him as a merciful God. says that his mercies are new every single morning. We're talking about David here and looking at a little bit out of his life. Here's a man that had some experience with the mercy of God. He made some mistakes. What I love about David, see, there came a time in David's life where he numbered Israel. And Judah he took a census and that was a sin he wasn't supposed to do that and he he recognized the Bible says that his heart condemned him and so he goes to God and he and he asked for forgiveness and so then God goes to the prophet Gad and tells Gad he says well here I want you to take this word to David and the word was this David because of what you've done you've got three choices and you can choose which one you want you can have seven years of famine you can have three years of running um, from your enemies as they pursue you, or you can have three days of a plague in your land. And I just love it because David says, well, I'm, I'm greatly distressed, but, but, but deliver me over into the hand of the Lord because great is mercy. Don't deliver me over into the hand of man. Man will knock you down, and then while you're down, kick you. Man is often not merciful, but our God is merciful. Man will kick you down and keep kicking you and keep kicking you, but God will, will rebuke you and correct you, and you might even fall down to your knees. But then he, he helps you up, and he gives you the grace to move forward so you learn from your mistakes and so that you get better. He gives us what we, what we don't deserve. So when we talk about the beauty of the Lord, we have to include the mercy of God. The beauty of the Lord is seen in God's justice. There's something that we don't hear a whole lot about, God being a just God. Psalm 103 verse number 6 says this. Says the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Everyone. None is left out. In other words, anyone that does evil, evil will not go unpunished when it comes to God. There's a scripture in the Psalms, and I don't know exactly where it's out, but I absolutely love it. And he, 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 God says this He says, Because of the, the sigh of the needy and the oppression of the poor, now will I arise, saith the Lord. And I will put him in the safety for which he desires. And I begin to think about that. And then you go through the word of God and you are reminded about God's attitude towards those that are oppressed, especially the poor, especially the widows, those that are being mistreated, the homeless. And and he judges those that mistreat them. You see, when we talk about God's justice, we talk about fairness. Everybody's going to get their equal share. You do evil, then... You're going to pay for it. First Peter 1 and 17 says this. If you call on the father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. In other words, in in godly reverence and respect. When God judges, he always judges righteously and without partiality. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy 10, it talks about how God cannot be bribed. It doesn't matter how much money you got. You cannot bribe him, you cannot manipulate him, you cannot twist his arm and try to get him to side with evil or operate outside of his character. It just doesn't happen. When we talk about the beauty of the Lord, His beauty is seen in his love and in his care. I just, I just, I had, I'm astounded by David because David didn't see Christ. Like the, the Messiah was prophesied. They were, the Old Testament saints, they were looking forward to his coming. But yet David in Psalm 8 says something so beautiful. David, like, had this amazing relationship and and revelation with God here. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4 reads this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You ever think about just how small we really are? In the vast of God's creation, He's probably outside, maybe in the fields. I, I don't, I don't really know the setting of Psalm eight and what was taking place and where it might have been in, in David's life, but He's talking about how God had created the heavens and He's talking about the moon and the stars and. You know, you go outside sometimes at night and you happen to look up. You might sh- see a shooting star, or look for the Milky Way or, or the Big Dipper or whatever it is. And, and you go up there and you're, you're looking at this vast galaxy and, and that ain't even scratch the surface when it comes to the creation of God. But David's got the nerve to say in the midst of all of this, God, you're mindful of me. You're mindful of me. We're talking about the amazing thoughtfulness of God. God could have been, he could be thinking about everything else. But yet you, like a grain of sand, are on the mind of God. The writer of Psalm 139, he says this, he says, How precious are your thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them, that if I would count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. You never leave the mind of God. When you go to bed at night, you're on the mind of God. When you are sleeping, you're on the mind of God. When you wake up in the morning, you're still on the mind of God. Isn't that incredible? People often forget us. They're real quick to forget us, but God never forgets us. You were always on his mind, and he says that those thoughts that he's thinking towards you are precious. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you hope and an expected end. I want you to prosper. It's amazing. Jeremiah 31 and 3 says this The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Amazing about the love and the care of God is that it's unending. It's without end, and he will never stop loving us. He loved us back then, he loves us today, and he's going to love us for all of eternity. And what I saw when I was reading this in the 9 a.m. service, it says that with loving kindness, he drew us. The love of God has a pull to it. The love of God has this, has this strength that begins to draw you like a magnet, bringing you into the presence of God. But see, it's often that that we resist. When God's pulling on us and he's drawing us into him, we often neglect and resist him and go out and try to find love in the world and and look into the things that are vanity and have no substance. When when he's there all of that time, drawing us and pulling on us and trying to bring us in. Oh, but you know what will happen if you just let go and you let him pull you? He'll sweep you up off your feet. Next thing you know, you're in the arms of your creator, and he's speaking sweet words of love to you. And you feel his loving embrace, and his presence is bringing change, and and everything that you've been worried about begins to kind of drift away. And you know the awesome thing about it, it never ends. He drew me yesterday. He's drawing me again. This morning I had a revival in the glory of God in my prayer room. When I opened up the 9 a.m. service in prayer, I I had a snotty experience with God right there. And it was amazing. Why? Because he continually is drawing me into his presence. Don't resist him. Because you can search everywhere and you'll never find a love like his. Never. We've all tried. The beauty of the Lord is seen in his son, Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 and 9 says this. For in him, for in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. John 1 and 18 says that no one has seen God at any time the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father he has declared him we want to see everything that God is you want to see the beauty of him that dwells in light that no man can approach all you got to do is look at Jesus Christ For he is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. Jesus Christ is the perfect and exact representation of God the Father. It's so beautiful when you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look through the journey and the walk of God and his interaction with people. It just reeks of holiness. It reeks of wisdom. It reeks of love and compassion. It reeks of truth. This is our God in the flesh. Come to reveal who he is to us. I shared with the 9 a.m. service when I was sitting in the room this morning and I was just kind of preparing myself and worshiping and talking with God. He reminded me more of his beauty i had already had my notes they had already been submitted everything was was good but i had to add one and i added it to the sermon because he gave it to me this morning his beauty the beauty of the lord is found in his accessibility you see you can pick up the phone and you can call somebody and there's a chance they won't answer You can go and knock on somebody's door, but there's a chance and nobody is gonna answer. But when it comes to God, every time you knock, every time you call on Him, He's home. He's always home. You can count on Him, baby. In the good times and the bad times, all He is is a call away. Oh, glory. One of the psalmists, he wrote, he says, blessed is the man in whom you cause to approach. Oh, glory, the accessibility of God, how the veil was torn from the top to the bottom and how access has been granted through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You might not be home over here. You might not be home over here. Oh, God, but I thank you. I thank you that I can call upon you and you answer me. For he is faithful, he is so faithful. So I just love it. David with his emotions running wild and going through a challenging time. He, How many know that when those times come and you're faced with them, you have a choice on how you're going to respond? David chose to respond in a manner not looking for things to get better as far as his enemies to stop doing what they're doing. He chose just to press into God. He just chose, God, I just want your presence to behold your beauty. But the awesome thing is that it doesn't stop right there. He said that he wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, but also to inquire in his temple. That word inquire means to plow into. It means to inspect or to investigate. So David wasn't just going to see and, 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 and want to experience and see the beauty and the majesty of God, but he, he, he wanted more of it. He wanted to know God more and more and more. And I've been beginning to think about us that we have experienced some of the goodness of God, but we haven't even scratched the surface. Therefore, there is so much more to him. I want to encourage you, church, let's be intentional and let's pursue him. Let's experience him in ways that we've never experienced him before. Because when you do that, everything begins to change. You become transformed. Your atmosphere begins to be transformed and your life will never be the same and that's what David did in that challenging season he immersed himself in the worship to God you see to know him is to worship him you can't get a revelation of God of his love Of his holiness, of his grace, and his mercy. You can't get a revelation of that and not fall down to your knees and begin to lift up your hands in holy reverence and gratitude to him. You just can't do it. For he is amazing. And I just love it because that was David's priority. And there are so many things right now that are grabbing for our attention, so many things that are trying to pull us in different directions. But I love it because David was intentional in this season of his life. He said this, he says, one thing I desired of the Lord. In other words, one thing I have have exercised my own will that I've went to God in prayer and I've asked for this. He's, He's been intentional in doing this. And he said, not only did I ask God, but now I'm pursuing it, that will I seek after. God, I'm going after you with my whole heart. Family, I, I pray for them, but if they don't serve you, I'm going after you. I'm in pursuit of your heart. I'm, I'm in pursuit of your presence. I'm, I'm in pursuit of all that you are because I want to know you. John 17 says that, that, that um, this is eternal life that we might know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. This is the heart of God for us to know him. So if God wants to reveal himself, God, I am available. I am available for you to open my eyes and just overwhelm me with your delightfulness, with your pleasantness, and I will gaze upon you with dove's eyes. I was thinking about this. I shared it with the 9 a.m. I was in the prayer meeting or in the prayer room. And Cara was with me, and I was rocking her in a rocking chair, and she had fell asleep. And I'm looking, and I took my hand, and I started rubbing my hand, you know, through her hair, and I'm just looking and admiring how beautiful and, and how honored I am to have her and how much I love her. And then God began to speak to me, and said, I feel the same way about you. When was the last time you let God rock you to sleep in his glorious presence? I believe God's got a big old rocking chair in heaven to fit all of us on. Sorry, I just, that's how me and God, we, we work like that. In closing, I want to say this. Worship becomes an incredible weapon at your disposal. As times get difficult, We're probably going to need all of our arsenal as we approach these last days. Don't underestimate nor neglect the power of worship. Worship isn't about you. It's not about this over here, that over there. It's all about him. But I can tell you this, your flesh doesn't want you to worship God. The world that we live in and the things around us doesn't want us to worship God. We have to be intentional. I was going, I had a, I, let me, let me tell you, I, I had, I had a battle over this word. Days and days and days, man, I, I felt frustration and, and, and stuff coming me in every single direction and i'm i'm trying all these things and i'm trying to pray and i'm trying to press in and everything else and and one night i just got fed up and i got mad and i said god here i come and i'll just be transparent with you i went into the camper i went in, I, the camper is in the is in the driveway i went into the camper and i closed the door and i locked it and i began to press in and i turned on some music and then I begin to pray, and then I begin to just contemplate and I begin to meditate on God until His glory. I was not leaving until the presence of God felt that, filled the camper. I don't care if we floated away. I just wanted His presence. And when His presence came, all of those things that were battling me, all of those things, man, it quickly just took off. They ran. Why? Because those things can't be in the glory of God. When you're in true worship, when you're in that deep place of of adoration with God, those things, they can't be there. Worship has not only the ability as you adore your God, the ability to change you and realign you, but it also has the ability to change atmospheres do you know people can get saved when you worship God you can be in worship and when you're in worship man you're invoking the glory of God and when he comes in the people around you can be affected and I just love that about David so I want to encourage you guys maybe you're going through a good season right now and things things are on the mountaintop and everything's running smooth, still worship him. Maybe you're going through a tough season. Things are hard. Press in and worship him. Paul told Timothy in one of his letters to Timothy, he told him to know this. He told him, he says, be certain and be sure of something. And what he said to him is that Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. We're seeing the moral decay and decline of our nation and things around us. Seems like the spiritual pressure of the kingdom of darkness, is. seems like it's, it's, it's running rampant. What are we going to do about it? Are we just going to give in and settle for what the enemy wants to do? No. We're going to use everything at our disposal to take ground for the kingdom of heaven. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.